What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, a little trade deadline edition, a little Washington National Series to talk about. Definitely a lot going on in the baseball world, especially in the Mets world. So we're going to cover everything here. We're going to talk about the Max Scherzer trade, the David Robertson trade, and then we'll end with the Washington National Series, which went really well, a three out of four. I mean, that's kind of like the, the secret headline of this entire episode is that the Mets played really good baseball this weekend. So we'll talk about everything with you guys. Make sure you're following us on all our social media, at Mets Up, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Make sure you're also subscribed to the New York Mets YouTube channel so you can see the video version of this if you're listening to us. And if you are listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download and subscribe. James, back at the ballpark on what might have been the nicest day of the entire year. How are we feeling? It was kind of funny that all this crazy stuff has happened this weekend, like as this awful heat and humidity lifted out of New York City. And now it's beautiful. And it was a wonderful day to just sit in the sun at the ballpark <sighs> and enjoy a nice, easy Mets victory. But with that... Weird little sense in the back of your mind of like what had transpired in the last like 24 hours, even 72 hours going back to both trades of Max Scherzer and David Robertson. Yeah, we talked about it. Uh, the Mets have made a couple moves. Like you just said, Scherzer and Robertson on the move. Scherzer going to the Texas Rangers. David Robertson staying in division going to the Miami Marlins. Let's go ahead and start it off with the Max Scherzer trade because I think there's a lot of conversation here, a lot of talk about what's going on. What did the Mets get? A lot of questions I'm sure you guys have. You want to know more about these prospects? Because let's be honest, some of the people that do a lot of the reporting don't know that much about the prospects. So tell you all about it. Max Scherzer and was it $36 million going to the Texas Rangers yes. in exchange for Luis Angel Acuna? A bit of a, name, a mouthful with the name. Luis Angel, though, that's how we're going to know him as for the rest of the time. Yeah, because he's not Acuna. While he is Ronald Acuna's brother, and that is the headline that most people went with for this trade because that's the easy reporting that you could take off the top. That's the thing you could say without doing any research, and many people did do that. I really want to caution Mets fans to not compare this person to his brother. Not fair. It's not fair. Not he's, fair. He's a good prospect. He's a really good chance to be a really good player. But Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be one of the best baseball players any of us see in our respective lives. He might get 40 and 70 yeah, this year. He's, 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 he's pacing right now for one of the greatest single seasons in baseball history, which is weird because like after someone's had one of the best years in baseball history and while someone else is probably having the best year in baseball <laughs> yeah. history. But in terms of the National League... No one's ever had 20 homers and 50, 30 homers and 50 steals in a year. He's going to have that by the end of August. Yeah, no, he's been playing really special. But his brother is also really, really good. No, he's incredible. And that's the other thing that is really important about this trade. The Mets got what is considered by many a blue-chip prospect in exchange for Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, all the accolades, all the acclaim, all the notoriety, Hall of Fame pitcher, was at this time definitely as what, 39-year-old, 38-year-old? Yep. On the downturn of his career. So netting an elite prospect back, someone who many think could be, as of right now, the number one prospect in the Mets system, is at worst a huge organizational victory for the Mets. And the big thing about Luis Angel Acuna is that he's just ridiculously explosive. Twitchy. He's twitchy. He's smaller than his brother. He's only about 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, the height's 5'10". Some places change because he's still also 21 years old. Yeah, he's young. He might even have just grown a little bit. He probably grew a little bit since they last measured him on a lot of these websites. But he has, really has a lot of torque. He gets around on the ball. He plays great defense up the middle. Like, if anything, he has raw power and he can move. Yeah, the way I'd, I'm, I'm going to read the description off Baseball America because I think they did a really good job of describing what kind of player he is. Acuna has sex successfully made the jump to double A and has improved as a defender at shortstop. He plays shortstop, second base, and center field, which strong up the middle, always super interesting for me. He doesn't project to be the same caliber player as his brother. We understand that. We, we basically said that. But he has all the, or he has the all around tools to be a solid everyday player, yes. which is fantastic. Fantastic. Everything you want with the explosiveness that he shows. 
it gives a real ceiling to a guy like Luis Angel Acuna. Yes, and something interesting about the defensive lineman that Mark just mentioned, he's been playing more center field recently, which I feel like was a move by the Rangers to make him a little bit more... Show a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, a little more... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like Enticing. Attra attractive in these trade negotiations because they have a great team, the Rangers. They're especially strong up the middle. They, two years ago, signed... Corey Seager and Marcus Semien for a combined, like what, almost $500 million <laughs> yeah. to be up the middle for them for the next almost decade. So it was going to be difficult for them to find a place for Acuna. Maybe they were, didn't, weren't really that confident in the center fielder. Maybe that's where he winds up. We don't know where he's going to wind up with the Mets yet. But him playing those games in center field recently make me think, especially where the Mets are up the middle as well, think that that's possibly an outcome we have here. And if you look at a lot of the top organizations when you look at you know their prospect pipeline that they've got going on, usually the best prospects come from up the middle. Like yeah. You don't normally hear too many pro, uh, you know, prospect organizations going like, got a ton of great first basemen. Like, it's usually <laughs> like we got a lot of great shortstops, center fielders, catchers. And if you look at the Mets' minor league system right now, they're super strong up the middle. Especially the way they've been drafting the last few years. I think about two of the, the last three first-round picks between Colin Houck, Jet Williams, and Kevin Parada, yeah. all guys who play at the middle. You look at the Mets' roster right now. You look at Francisco Alvarez, Francisco Lindor, and Brandon Nemo. Something all, we were talking about. Yes, because you're trying these trades kind of make us all think about next year now more than this year and like where the direction of the team is going. And you look and you and no matter what, what you can say is that the Mets are very strong up the middle with those three guys. And they're building a prospect pool which is very strong up the middle. And then whatever happens, guys fan out. Mark Vientos was drafted as a shortstop. Yes. And now we don't know his position, but yeah. that's just how it works. Like you're a good athlete, you play shortstop when you're young, and then you figure it out later. Like that's why a lot of people we've heard online obsessing over the, the positions of some of these prospects the Mets have been acquiring. Couldn't matter less. It's, could it not could, matter at all. Completely irrelevant. If you're good enough, you'll find a place to play and you will be successful. And then that's how you kind of start. You go and then it happens. But Mark also talked about the fact that Acuna played much better in double A this year, second go around. He did get to double A last year and he had a really tough go of it. He was about 30% worse in league average. He was striking out a good bit, and he didn't really get to any power. This year, he's getting to more power. He's 20% better than league average. He's cut his strikeout rate by three points, and his walk rate has gone down a little and is still there. And he has 42 steals yeah. already in 84 AA games. It's the fourth most stolen bases in minor league baseball for players 21 years or younger. I That's mean, the dude's got crazy speed. And when you have a lot of steals like that in the minor leagues, it tells me two things. One, it tells me just, first of all, you're very fast. Yes, you're very fast easy. guy. You're really fast. But two, you're kind of very in tune with the game. Because a big part of stealing is like understanding pitchers, understanding cadence, like be a being good base locked runner. in. Yeah, and the fact that you're stealing at, at will, that means you're really in control out there. Yeah, I mean, 315 average, 377 on base, 453 slugging, 830 OPS is just fantastic. I can mark amateur on the I know, I left, I left the sound on, but <laughs> I was a pro. I went right through it. That's how you got to handle it. You just got to ignore the sound. Oh, yeah, turn your sound off too, <laughs> Joe. I just did. <laughs> just in case. But yeah, he's been mashing, like you said, double A. And you were telling me earlier, it's hard to find exit velos a lot of the time on these minor league guys. It just depends on the stadiums. Right? The, the Rangers double A stadium doesn't have it publicly available. But Acuna did go to the AFL last year. One of the youngest players there. He didn't exactly have a great go, but he did hit a 430-foot home run with 105-mile-an-hour exit velocity yes. as a 5'9". 20-year-old. Yeah, I mean, if he was a, a, a draft pick, essentially, he would be a first-round pick. He'd be a bona fide first-round pick. He probably, this year's draft, just because it was a little weak on shortstop, yeah. probably been the first shortstop drafted. I yeah, it could have been up there. Yeah, I don't think there was anybody else who had his combination of raw power and defensive acumen. No, and it's super important, like Twitch. Twitch is kind of the thing that the pod... I'm not comparing these two, by the way, but just like to understand why we're really focusing on explosiveness and Twitch was one of the reasons why the Padres were so interested in Fernando Tatis Jr. Twitchy guy. <laughs> Twitchy guy. It's like seven inches taller. I know, but I'm just saying like <laughs> twitchy guy. And he, cause he was a prospect that nobody cared about yeah. for a very long time. 
and then all of a sudden figured it out. That kind of stuff happened. He's being compared right now to Ozzy Albies. That's the comp that he's getting, which I know I have my takes on Ozzy Albies and stuff, but like, relatively speaking, if you get an Ozzy Albies type player, you'd be very happy with that. Ozzy Albies has been an incredibly successful uh, major league player. Hopefully, Luis Alacuna has a similar Better. agent. Yeah. Better, too. <laughs> Maybe a similar agent to him so we can get him for no money at all, like the Braves do with all their prospects for some reason whatsoever. But he, and even more than Albies, I think he is a little bit stronger up the middle and just literally has more twitch. Ozzy yeah. Albies didn't, came off shortstop very early in his career, and Ozzy Albies struggled with injuries, especially at the shoulder when he was in the minor league still. And it hasn't happened yet to Acuna, so not worry about that. But it's, it, he is, Basically, as good of a prospect that you'll see traded at the deadline. Yeah, a guy who's in the top fifty, who with a couple a couple more good months of baseball, could be pushing the top twenty. And who, who was I talking to that was saying you're just not really going to see top five prospects traded that much anymore? I don't think you ever will, just because they're so valuable. Because yeah. they're free. It might have been Matt Eddie. Maybe it was Matt Eddie. It might have been. Yeah, you just don't because they're so valuable. Like the bet, the worst case scenario basically is that you you have a guy who's going to play for six years for free. Yeah. Yeah, that's the end. <laughs> and like, if he's a regular and he's above average, then it's all gravy from there. And you traded the guy, Max Scherzer, who was due a lot of money next year, had been pitching a little bit worse this year than we're used to in the past. Definitely. And you did have to pay some money to get the prospect, never break down the money here. So he was owed $15 million the rest of the year. We're paying $9 million of that. And he was owed $43 million next year, and we're paying $26.5 million of that. So all in all, he's, Rangers with Max Scherzer are getting $36 million to cover him. And that, that's kind of important just because it affects the way the luxury tax penalties work as well, yep. just because we're in that third level of penalties. So the $9 million this year is off the books and also kills $8 million in penalties because the tax is that you have to pay 90% of every single dollar you're over it. So it's $8 million off top. And next year, if we're in that threshold, just saying we are, not saying we will be because we don't know what's going to happen yet, it's going to be 110% penalty. So that $16.5 million saves us eight, $18 million An next An extra year. eighteen. Yes, extra $18 million on top of that. So... That's a significant amount of money. 100%. 100%. Like, trading guy like Max Scherzer, getting that haul back is, is a really good pull. It's a really good pull. I mean, Acuna is like a top 50 prospect in baseball by Consensus. a lot of people. And we said he's going to be the number one guy most likely in the Mets system. It's a very, very good pull. Um, and just to talk about Max Scherzer a little bit, a little bittersweet, right? I mean, part of the reason we're here, we say it all the time, but part of the reason we're here is Max Scherzer, the whole hoopla when he was signing with the Mets that, at that super, super late night. Rocking the Twitter spaces, having all these people in there. The Mets came in there. The podcast people came in there and found us. Like, we might not be here if Max Scherzer didn't sign with the Mets. So, always will be super grateful, super appreciative. I mean, might. Well, yeah, <laughs> we would not. Probably wouldn't <laughs> that be. That wouldn't here. have happened. We yeah. would. Yeah, it was a miracle. We went viral. That all happened. And they heard of us, and that's how it works. But that, it, it did kind of give a bit of a surreal feeling where Max Scherzer signed here, and he kind of like validated what was going to become like the Steve Cohen regime with the New York Mets. And he was lights out last year in the regular season. So good. Had an incredible year. One of the best years of his career statistically. Struggled with injuries, came back, and was great. And then two games toward the end of the year, similar to how he ended his run with the Dodgers after their big trade for him, kind of ran out of gas. He's older. It happens. Like, yep. that's okay. And it was just, it definitely left a weird feeling in a lot of Mets fans' mouths. I'm very curious to see if he does, if he does pitch here with the Rangers because they're coming. In what, a month, month and a half? Yeah. What, what, what the response looks like. Because, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 just, I, genuinely, I genuinely don't know. And it's, as a guy who was really so productive here, and also since this year did get going, it was a really rocky start for sure with the injury and suspension. Weird first month. Since June 1st, he has a top 10 strikeout minus walk rate in the league. Yeah. And all projections say he's still going to be around a top 15 pitcher in the league for the rest of the regular season. And usually projections are pretty close to being correct. So there's a good chance the Rangers did just get a guy who is going to be a frontline starter for them in their pursuit of taking down the Astros, winning the AL West, and then storming towards a deep playoff run. But 
a lot of irony in yes. Max Scherzer being traded. Even less than a year after we interviewed him, he was one of the first big players, the current players that we interviewed last year when we started doing this show. Arguably, like, my favorite interview I've ever done. For sure. It was, it was, it was incredibly fun. It was interesting. So engaging. Yeah. He, he, it was even weird how he did it because... John, he introduced John, himself to us. Yeah. John was like, you guys want to interview Scherzer? We were like, yeah, sure. We want to interview Scherzer. He's like, okay. And then John brought us down to the dugout in the field. And he was like, I have to run upstairs, but let me know if he comes. <laughs> And then um, Scherzer, after running sprints in the outfield, just walked up to us. He was like, hey, guys, I'm Max. Ready to do the interview? And we were like, we don't, we don't even have a camera. We're like, I started <laughs> calling John. I was frantic. I was like, John, he's, he's ready. He's like, I'll be there in two seconds. Yeah. Like, I'm and just around the corner. And I John did got, camera for that, right? Yes, yeah, he you did. did. And John got right back down. We oh, did yeah. it. And it was a great interview. It was awesome. It was awesome. So Probably post that soon. Yeah. yeah. Shout out, Max Scherzer. We'll miss you here in New York. Yeah. Uh, appreciate the time. And honestly, I really hope the Rangers do well for a couple different reasons. But yeah, for sure. I really hope they do well. I, I like the Rangers a lot. I like a lot of their players. And it's cool to see like a team going for it. You always appreciate that in baseball. Yeah, of course. And it's also just cool to see that. As like the Mets, like seeing where they are realistically right now, they got a really good player back in return. 100%. And that's not the only trade that they've made. No. We know that they made another one. David Robertson, uh, right before the series started, going to the Miami Marlins. Oh, during the series. During the series, technically, during yeah. Series. It's very interesting that the Mets made two trades this weekend. Both of them happened during rain delays. <laughs> in the middle of rain delays. Yeah. So they got Marco Vargas back from the Miami Marlins, as well as Ronald Hernandez. I'm going to let you dive a little bit deeper into these guys, because... There was a lot of there was a lot of hoopla and uproar with this one from a lot of people who, lack of a better term, don't know what they're talking about. I wouldn't say these people necessarily don't know what they're talking about, but I was just saying a lot of times people try to be first rather than actually take their time, find some information, and make an educated take. And yeah, I kind of tweeted it, that. It was interesting that this trade happened first. And I think that kind of lessened the blow of the Max Scherzer trade because even though it was great, yes, there was there was a twelve hour window where I would say seventy five percent of Mets fans lost their minds Yes, that the Mets traded who was their current closer in the season. Because like also that also lessened the blow because like once you trade David Robertson, we know the Mets have had troubles with their bullpen this year. You and kinda, we talked about it. Yes, we did. You kind of felt the fact that things were going to change if he went. And then he did go, and that made us like, all right, someone else is going to go. Didn't exactly think it was going to be Scherzer. Didn't exactly think it was going to be Saturday evening. Didn't think it was going to be right after he made a great start on Friday, made comments about direction of the team. All that, all that was not expected. But the fact that... David Robertson was traded for what was reported as a team with a really bad farm systems, 18th and 21st, I believe, best yeah. prospects, made some who were both teenagers who neither were pitchers. A lot of Mets fans were very offended that we didn't go out and get pitchers after drafting, I believe, 26 pitchers in the last two drafts combined. Yeah. And I, I, a lot of Mets fans really got nervous about that, but I do want to assure people that Marco Vargas especially is someone who, one, might be the best f prospect in Marlins' entire farm system. Yeah. And two, is in general very exciting. Yeah. And I mean, like, talking about, like, the whole pitching prospects thing back, it's a conversation we had off camera, and you can dive dive into it a little bit more. But you mentioned the 26 guys or 25, whatever it is, that the Mets have drafted the last few years. Tyler Stewart's been great. Christian yes. Scott's been great. We just got Brandon Sproat. Mike Vassell's been fantastic. There are Blake a lot Tidwell just went to double A. Blake Tidwell, incredible. Yep. There's a lot of names that the Mets have gotten over the last few years that have been really, really good. And they've developed these guys in a very short period of time. So I'm not saying that I know what the Mets are doing with trades and whatnot. But the idea that they needed a pitching prospect is just a farce. It's not true. And there's also this kind of conundrum with trading for pitchers where there's almost this type of like dead zone in acquiring a pitching prospect. And we talked about this a little bit before, like you mentioned, but you want to be able to grab a guy as early as you can, which is from the draft or as an international free agent, because then you can kind of develop all of their, all of their traits and all their habits. You can kind of build their entire plan and take them in from the ground up, right? 
And then when you get a guy in the middle, like let's say you get a pitcher in high A, double A, even triple A, like a lot of Mets fans are clamoring for, that pitcher is already being developed by the team, and you might have a completely different plan for that. So it's still, while the pitcher might seem close, they might not actually be close, because you might have to undo some things that have been done, change a shape, change an approach, change a sequencing habit that they have, and then bring them back. So even when you, a guy seems close as a pitching prospect, they might not be close. Yeah. Even as of right now, all the pitchers that Mark mentioned, and we've gotten some great content coming out with a lot of these guys on Future of Flushing, John Vito's podcast. They're going to do an interview with Drew Toussaint coming up. There is this kind of, like, this feeling that right now the Mets have some of the better upper minors pitching depth of any organization in baseball. Yeah. Because of what's gone on for the last, basically, 18 months here with these pitching prospects. And, like, this is where a, a tool like Pipeline, like, I think Pipeline's fine, like, for, as, a, as a base research thing. But, like, when you're looking at prospect rankings, they're so fluid. They're so fluid. They're constantly changing. Guys get better. Guys get worse. Pipeline just doesn't update regularly enough to change guys like Marco Vargas or a lot of the Mets pitching prospects that have been performing really, really well, like a Christian Scott, where they're just not going to be changing every day. They're not going to be changing every month. They make like two or three changes a year. If it's that. like preseason, draft, end of the year. Yes. That's pretty much what they do. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're covering every single team's prospect in all of baseball. But that's where like the reporting of what the Mets got back or what the Mets pitching depth in their farm system Gets leaves you a little wanting more is because they're just not giving you the full scope of what's happening. And that's why there's a lot of value in using resources, especially like Baseball Prospectus, Baseball America, and Fangraphs. And we had a lot of people from those three outlets who are three of the most trusted prospect sources in the world. Even some Mets haters. Yes, even some Mets haters. Even someone who John's referenced before is Jared Seidler, said that he was absolutely over the moon. He's a Baseball Prospectus prospect writer specifically and a Mets fan over the moon by these two returns to the Mets just from a prospect perspective because these guys are some people who have elevated their standings this year. Yep. Marco Vargas last year was a 17-year-old in the <laughs> complex. Like <laughs> He had a great year, but like it really it, that just doesn't really matter. You're 17 years old. Best case scenario, what? You're four years in the major leagues? Yeah. Luis Angel Acuna was a prospect who was very up and down because he was explosive. He had a lot of swing and miss, struggled with pitch selection, but had all the raw tools. He had a really bad go last year, double A in his first time there, and a really bad time in the AFL. So he dropped down. This year, he's been great there, so he went back up. And that's, again, like Mark said, where pipeline falls short, where it doesn't update as frequently. Not that their data isn't as good, but they're just less frequent. Baseball America is very proud to update. I think Matt Lee told us every single month. Yeah. And that's a new initiative they've done this year. Fangrass and Prospectus, they're rolling these prospect updates out kind of just ad nauseum the entire season. Guys playing well, they bump them up, they talk about them, they get aggressive, and then they can kind of make shift and maneuver when they have to. And a guy like Vargas is someone who you wouldn't have seen it from the from the uh, the MLB pipeline rankings, but he is in. He's a dog. He is someone who can be incredibly, incredibly exciting. Still only 18 years old, a bit of a smaller prospect, six feet tall, about 170 pounds. So he's not very projectable size-wise, especially in terms of power ceiling. But he has a very compact, short levered swing from the left side, which is very cool. Yep. I love a nice infield lefty prospect. And he has insane, insane, insane bat to ball ability. He has a crazy hit tool, potential to be one of these like really special, like 70 hit tool kind of guys. And this year, as an 18 year old, again in the complex, he has nearly twice as many walks as strikeouts. Just huge. As of right now, over the last 10 years of minor league data, he has the third best strikeout to walk ratio. Any guy. That's a, that, I literally just read that Any right guy. now in the notes. That's absolutely insane. Insane. And, yeah. the, and like two guys ahead of him, neither of them really came out too much, but the guys right behind him are a lot. Number one, Kenny Delgado. I don't know. Yeah. He might be in the minors now. Two, Alejandro Kirk. Say what you want. In the major leagues. A major league player. Performing. He made an all-star team. Four, Wanda Franco. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad to I'm be not, I'm not comparing any of these guys to each other, but I'm just saying like when you're walking out that much more and you're striking out, you're that much more advanced at the level you're at. You have a lot of potential, and it's time to see if you can start rising. And you were telling me the thing about Max Clark, too. Yes. Max Clark, number three overall pick by the Detroit Tigers in this past draft. Uh, 
extremely hyped up prospect. Top high school hitter. Top high school hitter, similar age. Similar age. Six months older than Marco Vargas. And Marco Vargas has basically the same exit velos, the same hit tool, the same grades outside of like maybe like athleticism grade. Slightly better swing speed and exit velocities. And that was a guy who just went number three overall in the draft as one of the most highly touted prospects in the entire draft. And maybe you can comment on this because I'm not as hip with the draft stuff, but I don't know what the talent level is compared to like a major league complex league versus where Max Clark was playing in a circuit league. He was playing in Indiana. And the, the watch level it. Of, watch it. Don't say anything bad about I'm, the state of Indiana. I'm not going to say anything about the Hoosiers. I'll just say the like playing baseball in the state of Indiana, it's not playing baseball in the state of even New Jersey. When you think of baseball hotbeds, Indiana is never there. It makes it extremely impressive that Max Lork was even found, the fact that he plays in the state of Indiana. I bet you they don't have many top 10 draft picks from high school from the state of Indiana. There's nothing. I'm not like taking any shots at Max Clark by any means. I think he's a great prospect. But the idea is that like, where Marco Varga, Vargas is, I thought of Nacho Varga for a second. Yeah, you've been saying that all day. I've been day. saying all day. It's just Better in my call head. Saul. Better call Saul. Great show. But where uh, Marco Vargas is, he's just been playing professional baseball for another year. Yeah. I'll yeah. have you know, Gil Hodges. Gil Hodges! Scott Rowland and Hall of Famer Chuck Klein, all from the Hoosier State. So you there watch you your mouth, Marco. <laughs> watch your mouth. I will slander Indiana all day. It's a flyover, watch your mouth. It's a flyover state for a reason. Basketball, though. But good ball. This... Marco Vargas, while again, this is you're, you were trading three months about <laughs> of a almost four year old relief <laughs> yeah. pitcher, which and like we just saw Jordan Hicks get traded, yeah, who debatably has better stuff than David Robertson, debatably, but worse results, worse results, but he throws 103 like wipeout yeah. stuff. They, he just got traded to the Blue Jays for Sam Robertson and Adam Kloffenstein, who are like 23 year old double A pitchers who are like a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, Kloffenstein's a kind of a meme in the prospect world because he's, for some reason, been an MLB Pipeline top 100 for years, yeah. and we don't really know why. Those are guys who are lock, rocking, like, 20% K rates at, like, the league average age yeah. in AA. Like, I'm not saying they're not good players, but, like, the idea that the Mets were going to be able to flip David Robertson for this, like, next great pitcher was insane. There was no. no shot it was ever happening. Vito made a good point earlier. He's like, we're going to trade him for Noah Syndergaard and Travis Darno. Like, that's not happening again. No. I have a quite funny question I want to ask you because now we're talking back about David Robertson. How many innings do you think David Robertson threw for the Mets in the last, I wrote it down here, uh, in June and July combined? So, because you basically have <sighs> wow. August, September left. So, that's two months. The last two months, how many innings did he throw? 21? 19 and two-thirds. Okay, I was close. So 19 and two-thirds for the Mets in the last two months. So, you traded about 20 innings of a closer on a team that is decently out of the playoff race for a prospect who, a lot of risk. So much Super, risk, yeah. but a ton of ceiling potential. And a guy who is known as being very exciting, very projectable. He, he kind of reminded me, just looking at his profile, watching his swing, and seeing these complex stats. We'll see how he does. John, he's going to Port St. Lucie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Remind maybe. Maybe. Okay, maybe. We'll take a maybe. Strong maybe. Adel Amador. He's been one of the Fast biggest rising risers. prospects. Yep. Yeah, and same height, same kind of short swing. Amador's a switch hitter, and he's a little bit bulkier, but he's two years older, so Vargas has the ability to get a little bigger, but... Amador right now is projecting as one of the best prospects in the whole league based get, purely on the data. Get him on the Randy or Rosarena diet. Chicken and rice. Chicken and rice. Chicken and rice and push-ups. Yeah, and push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of push-ups. That's all you need. And and we got another prospect back in this deal. Yeah, there's someone, one more. Yeah, someone with a very similar profile as Vargas. What's his name? Ronald, Ronald Hernandez, 19-year-old, complex catcher, similar skill set, also more walks and strikeouts. Definitely a little bit lower rated, but similar idea. Just get a guy in the complex who's playing much better than league average, looks incredibly advanced. Good hitter. And push him up. Just keep moving him. Yep. There's, uh, assets. there's a lot that gets talked about in the world of prospects 
from people who just have a baseline understanding. And I'm not going to pretend like we're experts by any means, no. but we for sure know a decent bit. And past that, just knowing where to look. Yes, research. Like undertaking the extra 10 minutes before you send your tweet yeah. goes a very, very long Such way. Such a long way. And I remember years ago, other trades that Mets have made for relievers. We once traded Addison Reed for Gerson Batista, Jamie Callahan, and Steven Nagosik. Yeah, lots so of big some, names there. Sometimes you get pitchers who are MLB ready and it really is not going to turn out too much. So even though these guys are 18, 19 years old, very high risk with their high ceilings. Like sometimes the guys who are closer also high risk. Jimmy Callahan's shoulder like fell off. It was yeah. done. Couldn't pitch anymore. Steven Ngosik, say what you want about him. He did make it. Gerson Batista, part of another trade that we can't, we're not going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that we got to win Diaz. Yeah, we got to win Diaz. Great trade. Diaz. A trade that really worked out. Like a trade of the hothead for the best closer ever. There's also other contexts to consider. Like you mentioned Hernandez. He came over to the States two years ago, struggled a bit in the FCL. This year, his OBP has increased by 135 points. A lot. As he learns. Vargas is stateside for the first time. So, these are, young, these are young people, forget players, these are young people that are coming to a brand new country. For the first time for, ever. For the first time ever, having brand new experiences. And new you language. can't just look at the baseball reference page as much as you want to, and I'm yeah. inclined to do that as well, but there's a lot of context. And when a guy thrives in his first or second year in the States, there's reason to be even more excited about a prospect like that. I had a, uh, I got a class at South Carolina. It was about like the business of baseball, and it was taught by the guy who owned the Columbia Fireflies when wow. the Mets were part, were affiliated with them. And he used to be the owner of this fan of Sand Nats. And he told a story, which was very funny because I was the only Mets fan, obviously, in the class, about this young prospect that was in Savannah as a 16-year-old for the first time ever in America by the name of Wilmer Flores. And he goes, like, I, like, basically brought him in as part of my family. Like, he's a child who doesn't speak any English in Savannah, Georgia, which couldn't <laughs> be less baseball-inclined at all. He's like, these kids, like, there's a lot of growing that goes on for a lot of them outside of also playing baseball with the pressure a lot of times of, like, being extremely successful. This is what their family might need sometimes. Don, could you imagine dropping 16-year-old Mark in the Dominican Republic? Absolutely not. So just exist, live your life. <laughs> Absolutely go, not. Go, go be a superstar. I, I would fail. I would <laughs> fail. It seems really hard. And also, just as we wrap up this conversation, I know Mark also wants to go through a little bit of who the Marlins had ranked ahead of these guys, but you really just... There is this kind of inclination to outrage Mets fans on the internet. Yes. People know that that gets clicks, that that gets better engagement. It's obvious. And you see reporters who are out there. I'm, I'm not going to say who said this, but there was one reporter who did an unbelievable double take, and it was uh, uh, <laughs> it was it was twelve almost ten, exactly ten hours apart. His tweet, the first one when this trade happened, started with, "Texted with an MLB scout who admits he doesn't know much about these young minor leaguers." Where should have ended? Shouldn't shouldn't shouldn't. End. Once you write that, you should not send the tweet. So I'm now commenting about someone's comment who admitted, and I'm telling you they admitted they know nothing about these players. <laughs> Thought the Mets would get more like what the Cubs got last year for Ben Brown. The Mets need pitching in their system. Drafted over 20 pitchers in the last two drafts. Yeah. <laughs> they thought they used Robertson to add a pitcher. And again, this is an unfair comparison because the Ben Brown who the Cubs got last year from the Phillies for David Robertson has ascended to a star. Top 10 overall pitching prospect in baseball. When yeah. that trade was made, though, Ben Brown was a 22-year-old in high A who was still really good, getting good results, but struggling with command. And since then, he's had meteoric rise. There's absolutely no saying that that doesn't happen to Marco Vargas over the yeah. next year. There's also no saying it will. No saying it won't. No way to say that, but to compare that from last year, a little bit unfair. Another other thing that people were getting, uh, first, actually, I want to close this loop here. Same person <laughs> tweeted <laughs> 10 hours later, heard from a former GM who wanted to defend Epler. I get the fans won't like the trade, but this is how you build a strong farm system. You bet on the best talent, regardless of position, age, or level, based on your organizational scouting, not a prospect ranking. Give it some time. Correct. The same person said those two tweets 10 hours <laughs> apart. I mean, it's just word vomit Like yeah. at that point. It's Whatever. just crazy. But and people were upset about the fact that the Mets made this trade days 
before the deadline, where it's, it logically that could make some sense, especially the Ben Brown thing. That the idea happen. of leverage. Yeah, waiting leverage like work, but technically. That might not work for the Mets because everyone and their mother knew they wanted to trade David Robertson, the 38-year-old and a one-year deal on a team that is far out of the playoff race. And two, if they really liked Marco Vargas, which by all accounts they very much did, like we said before, he was the Marlins' best piece. And the Marlins have been very aggressive this deadline. They're probably not even done yet. John's Marlins as they fall well out of the playoff race. And we, the Mets I don't said see first them. half team. I said first half <laughs> team. The Mets don't see them again for two months, which is crazy to think Football about. Football will be being played. So Aaron Rodgers will play multiple games to the Jets, hopefully, by the time we see the Miami Marlins again. Don't talk about my coach. Don't talk about my coach like that's a low blow. But... If this is the guy you wanted and they're going to dangle him for other relievers, other hitters, other starting pitchers, then you have to just make the trade. Yeah. If you circled this guy and a lot of prospect people are saying he probably already is a top 75 prospect with another good year, especially if he gets good results in single A. Could be the Mets' second best prospect, by the way. Literally, he could be. It's not the third. He could be. He could really push all the way up the system, all the way up prospect ranks. By the time MLB Pipeline comes out next year, he could be a comet. <laughs> he could be meteor rising. So then if this is the guy, if you circled him, you're scouting, you believe in everything. If the organization is coherent in total, you go out and get the guy you want to get. That's a good move. Yeah, I mean, like some of the guys that were ahead of him in the Marlins organization real quick, Max Meyer, Tommy John, Jacob Berry has been god-awful. Awful. Dax Fulton, injuries, Jake Eater, another Braxton Garrett. Tommy John. Joe Mack is 20 years old at high A and has a 552 OPS. Sounds bad. Yiddy Cap, Jacob Miller, Jordan Groshans has never hit in his life. Sixto Sanchez. Sixto Sanchez. He has, hasn't played baseball in years. He still has rookie eligibility when he comes back, if he ever How old comes is he? back. He's uh, 25. He'll be 26, I think, in a few months here. The prospect rankings are just, they're a, they're a tool, but don't make it like word proof anything. Something else I think I've noticed with MLB Pipeline, this isn't like corroborated, this isn't, I haven't like regressed this statistically, but it seems like since they're very much intertwined with Major League Baseball, because they are, yeah. they're same place, they will a lot of times use what a guy gets as a signing bonus when they're signed internationally, mm. of course. And Marco Vargas was not a, hot, a hotly sought after international signed player. Neither was Luis Angel Acuna. No. Both of them are a little smaller, and that will hurt your signing bonus a lot. So sometimes MLB Pipeline, when a guy's not signed very highly, it takes them a very long time to actually put them high on their list. And there's a really, really, really good example of this that yeah. Mark and I found the other day totally, totally original, totally independently tweeted it. Both got great engagement at some tweets. <laughs> and that <laughs> definitely, definitely didn't get a text from uh, anyone here. Johnny Stats like <laughs> no, five minutes before I tweet out definitely a banger not. of a tweet. No way. But <laughs> one of the most exciting young players in baseball right now, his name, if you ever guys have ever heard of him, Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah, I've heard of him. Brian De La Cruz's brother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In 2023, he's 21 years old, and he is one of the most exciting players in Major League Baseball. At the end of the 2021 season, so one full year of the minors in between there, he was not in the Cincinnati Reds' top 30 prospects MLB pipeline. Yeah. He was not in their top 30. There were, there's a who's who of names who were in the top 30 <laughs> besides him, not him. Joe Boyle, who's actually become, had, yeah. had a bit of a resurgence right, recently. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it, you can't really go to these rankings and take them as gospel because they're just not. Even from the Mets, Francisco Alvarez in 2019 was the 13th ranked prospect behind big names like Shervian Newton, Anthony Kay, Thomas Sapucky, Franklin Colome, and Desmond Lindsay. I mean, my, Michael Ciani, I'm still waiting for the breakout for the <laughs> yeah. Reds. If they got one more outfielder in that team, they're going to make a run this year. Yeah, don't worry about Michael Ciani. Yeah, I mean, like, that's your boy Ivan Johnson. Of course. That's kind of the whole just conversation that we wanted to have with you guys about these trades. The Mets got a lot of really good stuff back. Yes, and a lot of smart people think the Mets did a really good job this yeah. weekend. So I think based on what we've seen, what we've heard, what we know, you should be happy with the haul back. I understand, like, trading Max Scherzer and David Robertson, like, is, is sad. Like, I think we 
we very much wanted the Mets to be buyers. Like we were hoping there was a world that that existed, but it's just not yeah. the case right now. The, the problem isn't the reaction to what happened. The problem is what's happened. The problem is the reality. The problem is that the Mets have had a disappointing season, and now they found it more advantageous to trade these guys for assets rather than keep them for the next half of the season. Which is season. the right move. And that, but that part does suck. That part sucks. Wake up in the morning every day, I'm like, I wish the Mets were in the first place again. Yeah, like I do. I, 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 I wish it'd be great if they were. But sometimes you have to, you have to see the forest through the trees. And that's it. And despite all that, Mets took three or four from the Nationals this weekend. Yeah, they, they really played did. really good baseball. Really good baseball. 14 and 9 so far in July. Yeah, I mean, it's been great. Talk about game one. Kodai Senga, again. So great. So fantastic. Great. It's even a game where he wasn't really getting the same amounts of strikeouts compared to walks I've seen in recent games. Only three walks and only five strikeouts. We had 14 whiffs in six innings. And he gave one earned run on a leadoff walk to CJ Abrams, who stole a base and scored in a sack fly. And the biggest thing about Sanga this last month and a half, said a lot to you guys, this color has really, really, really transformed his game. It'd be his primary pitch on Thursday. Second time he's done that this month. Only two times he's done that this entire season where color was the most thrown pitch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's thrown more colors than ghost forks now this season, if you talk about how far that pitch has come along and how often he's been using it recently. Weirdly, though, he didn't throw any of them in 0-2 or 1-2 counts. It's just really, really, really becoming like his key way to get soft contact. Hmm. And we said that was something he was struggling with the first month, yes. six weeks he was here. He was getting ahead of these counts. And then sometimes the guys were ready for the ghost fork and then they were kind of just waiting for the fastball and there wasn't really a way to pitch through. He got past that by pitching backwards. Now adding in the cutter. He's got over a 50% ground ball rate against. That's awesome. And a 71% poor contact rate per Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard, something you guys can find on Twitter. Keeps every single staff for every single pitch a little more in-depth than uh, baseball savant that 71 percent poor contact rate is the second for any pitch by any starting pitcher in all of baseball wow the only one with a better poor contact rate is kyle Hendricks' change was a way smaller sample too yes and he's a guy who's been using that changeup as the only thing basically keeping in the major leagues for what a half a decade now eight <laughs> years kyle <laughs> Hendricks. so the fact that this pitch and koda sang has been throwing it for eight weeks in total just learned it and the fact that it's already getting this good of results is ridiculous. And with that, it supplements the ghost fork really well. It had another 50% whiff rate game, which lowered this full season whiff rate down to around 60%, <laughs> which is really stupid. Still one of the best pitches in baseball. And as of Saturday, Kodai Sanga ranked fourth in the NL in ERA, fourth in strikeout rate, and third in batting average against. Yep. I mean, he's been great. Remember when Kyle Hendricks made a start in the 2015 playoffs against the Mets? God, yeah. Oh That's God. a long time ago. Eight years ago. Yeah, he's still there. He's still kicking kicking yeah. around. But yeah, Vogie had a big hit in the eighth inning, tying the game up. Then we had that like super crazy rain delay where it just poured like crazy for like 40 minutes. Yes. Question for you guys. Which rain was crazier? I've been big on the weather. Vito can attest to that recently. <laughs> Weird big, weather week. Johnny Radar. I mean, the weather has been insane. So, And those were both like end-of-time storms. So which, uh, which one was spookier to you guys? Which one had you shook? I think, I think uh, the first one. Thursday. Yeah, yeah Thursday night. Because I was in the car that, uh, during that oh, game. Oh, that's I, not good. No, no. My, my sister very nicely came and picked me up to go home for the weekend to Jersey. And once she got to me, she was like, you have to drive back. I was like, all right, that's super fair. <laughs> you said and your sister's a little scared, too, driving. She's gotten so much better since she like lived and like worked in Southside Chicago. She's, nice. she's really good now. She used to be not so good, but now she's really good. I hope she listens to this. I hope Shout maybe out Julia. My mom or dad hears this. Shout, Shout out, out Julia. Julia. Thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> not you, John. <laughs> not John. John can't say that. Why not? <laughs> John, you guys, you know, John, John's got a wife and kid at home. Um, <laughs> but this rain delay was also really weird because the Mets had just tied the game up. Yeah. In the game where they were being shut out until the eighth inning. And before that rain delay, David Robbins was warming up in the bullpen. Yeah. And during the rain delay, Brooks Raley came out after him. A lot of people were like, well, I wonder why that happened. And then we figured out why that happened. It yeah. kind of made the whole David Robertson saga get a little weird as well. Yep. Marcano with the sack fly. Mets win this game. Brooks Raley with the save. Brooks Raley with the save. Best closer in baseball. Brooksy, baby. Let's go. Game two. Max Scherzer's last start with the Mets. Really good. Really good. So good. Really uh, good send off, I guess. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was 
it was weird that he had such a good start and he was traded after it. Yeah. Usually when you have an asset you're trying to trade, especially one that is older and has been injured, like you don't <laughs> usually doesn't pitch. Yeah, it's typically the way it goes. But maybe that's also what the Rangers were like, ooh, little Max Scherzer. Yeah, you look good. You look good. Get a little Max in there. And Pete, totally back. Pete's so back. He's, He's just been back. crushing baseballs. Even today, he had like a, a ball off the end of the bat, like right to the warning track and left fielder, like, man. Yeah, swing's feeling good right now. Yeah, it just looks like he's just healthy again, which is a really big thing for Pete. And this game, just want to pull up the exit velocities right here. The one home run, 112 and a half, the other 107.1. So I mentioned that stat about two balls in play in one game with over 105 miles an hour exit velocity. Seems like Pete's back. It was uh, it was a very, very clean win again for the Mets. Uh, John saying that Piazza tie, or Pete tied a couple of Piazza things in the game. What do you got for us? 30th home run. Yes, now has four seasons with 30-plus home runs, tied for the most in Mets history, and he also is now tied with Mike and Carlos Beltran for the most multi-homer games with 17. And his first homer went 453. Wow. He has the same amount of home runs, hit 450 feet or more, as Shohei Otani wow. since he broke into the league. Wow. So yeah. That's awesome. That guy's a freak. Yeah, and there Probably was a, the best power hitter in Mets history. Yeah, yeah. He's probably the best power hitter in baseball since he came up. He's like 25 home runs clear of the field, like we said <laughs> last episode. It's ridiculous. But also something super nerdy, super weird baseball scoring thing happened this game. Didn't mean anything, but I thought it was funny. Keeper Ruiz dropped a foul pop-up by Jeff McNeil, and it prolonged the at-bat, so ruled an error, and then Jeff McNeil hit a single. Yeah. Yeah, so it's funny. So it still ruled a hit, even though it would have been under run if he came around to score. Yeah. Just nerdy baseball thing I thought was kind of yep. cool. Nerdy baseball for sure. Then yeah. you have game three. The torrential rain caused a delay, and as that delay was happening, <laughs> Max Scherzer the Max Scherzer trade's happening. I was at my house. I was prepared to make a video, record the Scherzer part, because all the reports had been coming out already. And then it was like 8.15, hadn't heard anything. I was like, I'm going Weird to the hour. game. Weird hour. Weird hour. I'm like, I'm going to the game because it's delayed 8.30. I sent my parents away. My parents came to go, go to the game with me. I'm like, go without me. I'll meet you there. As soon as I get out of the Uber at City Field, my phone starts buzzing. Max Scherzer has been officially traded to the text yeah. and I'm like, this is unbelievable timing for me trying to make a video. Because we're like 10 minutes there where it seemed like, it, 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 like this might not happen. Based on Twitter, it got a little scary. Yeah, it would have been quite awkward. Uh, saga, I think, as Heyman called it. Someone, yeah, someone well, called I'm it blocked. Saga. Yeah, you wouldn't have seen that. A lot of saga. Saw John Heyman in the city. Yeah. I was just walking around in New York. Turn on the corner, I go, oh my God, it's John Heyman. <laughs> I'm standing right next to him. Was he wearing like gym shorts? He was just hanging out. I mean, respect it. Respect it. Among the yeah, people. Yeah, it was uh, another tough start for Carrasco, who's had a really rough go of it. And the fact that we watched Max Scherzer go as he was getting crushed in the first inning, that was, that was a weird moment. How about Reed Garrett, though? Let's talk about him. Reed Garrett looked good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Reed, Reed Garrett looked really good. It was only his third appearance of the year. He'd been he'd bounced around the Orioles, Nationals, Tigers the last few years. Primary pitch was a slider and was above 90 miles an hour. Nice, hard, nice. nice hard slider, too. 97 mile an hour fastball with pretty decent hop, good okay. rising action, and he mixed in a splitter. It also looked good. Okay, could be a fine. Could be fun. Could be a fine. Something we're gonna learn probably as the season goes on. We're yeah. gonna find some guys. Sure, he's gonna get more innings. He almost did three innings too, and we'll still we'll still hop by the end of it. Yeah, and Mark Vientos, home run. He's been hot since he yeah. called get called up. I think you said six for eighteen. I think it might be seven for twenty one, or is it six for eighteen? I thought I saw seven for twenty one on Twitter today. Regardless, he's hitting three hundred since he's been called up. Go. Extra base hits, doubles, home runs. Looking great at the plate. Yep. And Francisco Alvarez, his 20th home run of the season. That made him the second catcher, age 21 years old or younger, to have 20 home runs in the season. Only behind Johnny, Johnny Bench. We're going we're gonna to get you, Johnny. Seven home runs to beat Johnny Bench for the most home runs ever by a catcher, age 21 or younger. We've been coming for that stat since April. John? I have a trivia question for you guys. All right. He is the first catcher to hit rookie catcher with 20 homers in a season since who? Giovanni Soto. No. That, that's a good guess, and it's like kind of Gary in Sanchez. What? Gary Sanchez. No. Whoa. Oh. All right, I don't know. Who is it? I mean, take another guess. Take another two. guess. Another rookie like, You guys watch this dude play, and we he had a crazy fall off. He was doing this to Korea in like two years, it felt like. Ooh, doing this to Korea. 
Already Interesting. My next guess is going to be Wilson Contreras. I was going to honestly guess Travis Darnot. No, rookie. He didn't develop power until he was 31 years That's old. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so he went to Atlanta. No, I'm blanking. He had 28 homers in 2012 as a rookie catcher. 2012? 2012. Man, I'm Chris Iannetta. No. no. Who is it? Willian Rosario. Whoa. Oh, Never yeah. would have pulled that name no, out. No, deep pull. That, yeah. that Colorado Rockies, though. Yes. Wow. Right idea. That sent me right back in, though. Interesting. Will and Rosario. By 2016, legend. gone. You're right. Out what of, happened? Out of, out of the big side. He must have been horrible defensively. Must have not been able to catch. A little juice, juice. Yeah, a little juice, <laughs> juice. But yeah, Alvarez, awesome. Awesome yeah. hitter. Like 250 plate appearances here as 20 homers. No, and then wrap this series up. Game four on Sunday. Weird vibes. Day after the Scherzer trade. Just... Strange. Strange. Come. Yeah, Come. Strange. Like, like a film was over everybody here. Yeah. Maybe just us especially because, again, like the fascinations we've had with Scherzer, the way that he kind of helped uh, help spawn us individually yeah. and as a duo here. But Verlander was great. Gave, gave a run the first inning that was super clean after that. Left in the sixth to a really, really nice standing ovation. A For very, sure. A very appreciative fans, a group of fans at City Field really, really let Justin Verlander here. And it was really nice because yeah. he threw a good game and he's been – Lights out for like two months now. Yeah, I mean, the the offense also started to swing the bat as well. McNeil hitting third, got a couple hits for us. Big big RBI at one point down the line. Lindor, home run, double, single, triple away from the cycle. Pete Alonso swinging the bat. I know he didn't get any, like, uh, I think results, but he was swinging the bat well. Almost got the third game this calendar month where Francisco Lindor had four balls to play over 100 miles an hour. Yep. That's something that, of course, John didn't listen last episode. That's something that Xander Bogart's only done twice in his career. Yeah. Lindor almost Don't did three times. Don't slander me like month. that. 100, 100, 199 <laughs> Speaking of John, John's favorite player, Danny Mendick, big day. Yeah, got a huge double day for huge Danny. Day. Two for three yeah. for Danny Huge Mendick. day. Huge day for Danny Mendick. Brought the OPS up like 200 points. Yeah. It's good day. It's good day. Extra clean, base hit. Clean day of baseball. David uh, Peterson came into this game. Did a pretty good job too. Gave up a run, but it was unearned. Then Adovino and elite closer Brooks Raley struck out the side. Yeah, good baseball, baby. Good baseball. Team. I don't know. There might be something about just the looseness now. This team's gonna have. It looked like they're really just having fun out there. Lindor looked really relaxed. Really chill. He made a great play up the middle. Couple uh, great yeah, plays. Couple great plays. Brooks Raley was cracking a huge smile. Yep. Jeff hit this triple. Relaxed, calm. Yeah. Just get to play some ball with the boys. Play some ball with the boys. Play some ball with the boys. Three or four from the Nationals. Keep moving on. Got the Royals series coming up next, which we'll talk about here in a second. But we, all, of course, have to talk about the estimate. John, how did we fare? What were we looking at? There were a lot of pitchers used in this series. There were 25 different guys used. Your guesses are crazy high. Yeah, but yeah, it turned were. out to actually not be that high, like not too over the top high. So another dub for Mark. Yeah, up another to. dub for Mark. But James, you got the Boston one. Yeah, I guess you guys didn't. We didn't have to count on that. No, we didn't. James, yeah. James got one in Boston, so I'm up two. Up plus two. two, two up. Up two. On aggregate. On aggregate. So now Kansas City barbecue. Mm -hmm. um, Great barbecue. Really good barbecue in Kansas City. You know, Chris Majkowski today was telling me that Kansas City barbecue is one of the most overrated things in America. Ooh, I disagree. The wrong place. He does not pick good places. I think. I think that. North Carolina barbecue is the most overrated barbecue I've ever had. North Carolina, I think they're all good. It's kind of too saucy for me. I would say North Carolina is, is definitely worse than South Carolina, no doubt. That's some Carolina I didn't pride. No, South Carolina had barbecue. <laughs> Way better, significantly <laughs> better. But Texas barbecue is awesome. Missouri barbecue or St. Louis barbecue, technically, as it's called, really good. Tennessee barbecue is awesome too. Okay. Has some great Memphis barbecue. I haven't done as much touring of the South as you have. Rendezvous being, uh, being, in Memphis. Being, being, being an SEC boy, but I really enjoyed Kansas City barbecue when I was there. Well, Madge doesn't seem to like it, so maybe I could put you guys in touch and you could uh, maybe... Yeah, would love to. Guide him. Love to argue with Madge. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Bobby Wood Jr., red hot. The Royals, by the way, heating up just in time. Uh, they just swept the Twins. And twins in that series, Bobby artists. Wood Jr., two homers, a double, a triple, 
nine RBI. Walk off Grand Slam. Walk off Grand Slam. <laughs> did you see the girl, the video of the girl from Georgia who yeah. went to see her favorite player play and he did that? Very that's cool. cool. Very that's, cool. That's big league. That was also the uh, fastest pitch that was hit for home mm-hmm. run outside the strike zone since we had pitch tracking in 2015. Yeah, pretty cool. It was, that was insane. Bobby Witt's sick. He's so good. Glad I got some baseball cards of him. Nice. Great player. And the Mets, very good shortstop of their own. Francisco Lindor. You don't say. Last three games against the Nats. Six Both for 12. That. Two homers and a double. So two premier shortstops in the game. So I want you guys to tell me how many total bases or how many total bases combined will there be between Bobby Witt Jr. and Francisco Lindor? Where'd you get the whiteboard from? BYOWB. You're bringing your own whiteboard? Oh, I got one. I got one. Oh, John's you. got a whiteboard for one, me? Yeah. I can't wait. I haven't brought my handy dandy backpack here. Time. Let me get that whiteboard, John, while James. Total bases. Total here. bases. Yeah, Three Bobby Witt's series. Bobby Witt's been great. Blazing Thank high. goodness stolen bases don't count because he's, yeah, he's, he steals he's, them all. Steals a base or two. He's a fast boy. Yeah. He's a great player. Yeah, it's also, I mean, the Royals pitching staff has been not so great, I'd say, for the last, I don't know, 20, 25 ish years. <laughs> so, <laughs> nah, they were good some, in 2015. Give me some options. They were okay. They were good enough. You they forgot good. one. You're, you're over forgot a couple. You're underrating. They were Johnny Cueto, Edinson Volquez, Jordano Ventura. Jordano? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't May, know why I thought Jordani. May you rest in peace. Yeah. They had some good pitchers on that team. All right. Um, Danny Duffy, was he there? Wow, Total bases by the two. Joe Barlow was DFA'd. Really? Bring him home. He used to follow me on Instagram, so don't care. He doesn't follow me anymore. <laughs> Unfollowed <laughs> you? Unfollowed me. Don't care. Uh, I was wow, so, Bobby I was so high on Joe Barlow A lot of total year. bases. Uh, between the two, I'm going to go with, yeah, I feel good about this. And you know what? I'm going to say 80% is going to come from Francisco. I'm gonna. We don't care about the jinx anymore. No, no more. We've been anti-jinx. No more jinx. No more jinx. Francisco's going to have 80% of this. I got mine. All right, ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Bang. 14. 13. Wow. We just... Always on it. Always so close. I was about to do 14. I, I raced it for the 13. But you're normally an under guy. You should feel good about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nor, If I'm higher, it normally uh, is a good thing for you. This series, I would like to be the over guy, if I'm being honest. That's going to be tough for you. What are our pitching matchups? John, thank you for the estimate, as always. Thank you, John. Pitching matchups this series. Tuesday, 8-10. Jose Quintana versus Zach Greinke. Battle of two wily veterans. We're going to see <laughs> a lot of pitches below 90 miles an hour in this game, guys. A lot of changes. As many as you could possibly imagine. Game two, Wednesday, oh, also eight ten. Kodai Sanga versus Alec Marsh. Alec Marsh is a pitcher who has the potential to have potential. Yeah. That's the best way I could put that. That's fair. He's like struck out yet. like 10 once. Yeah, if he was in most other organizations in baseball, I'd be like, he, he could be exciting. Rose might be a little smart. I don't know if that's a true. A little hitting-wise. Maybe a little. A little home run power out of they, these guys. They were a little smart hitting-wise, but then we stole their minor league hitting coordinator <laughs> a few years ago. They've been not been smart since. He literally built Vinny Pasquantino. He built Bobby Wood. And Salve, Jim got the power from Yeah, him. all of a sudden now, they've all stopped developing these hitters, it's and we got fair. their guys. I'm just fair. saying. And then Thursday, we have an open spot because that was Max Scherzer's. Uh, it seems like, based on minor league schedules, Tyler McGill is on track to pitch that day. His results in AAA have not been very good, but we don't know exactly. Don't want to speculate. And... 2-10 game, also Thursday afternoon, Brady Singer from the Royals. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Brady Singer is like definitely their best pitcher, but he has a 5-5 ERA this year. So. Pitching a little better recently. Okay, yeah. More I mean, change-ups. The, uh, the Royals have won 31 games. Yeah. It's a bad baseball team. The Royals barely are ahead of the A's, and they're allegedly trying. Yeah, they they I think they are. I think I they think are they trying. Are. Yeah. Um, Salvador Perez out for a little bit. Now he's back. Michael Garcia is someone who's a little bit exciting, I would I say, at top of their order. He is. Oh, no. I thought he was cousins with... Uh, the Acunas. He is. He's a lot of a lot of Major League Baseball people in his family. Okay. I don't remember exactly who, but he's a lot of connections there. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Wood's incredible. MJ Melendez has had not so good of a season, but he is a pet guy who still hits the ball really hard and has a lot of potential. Um, past that, they they start Nicky Lopez at, at first base. What on Sunday? He's what five eight. He's also like Real one thin. of the best defensive middle infielders in baseball. Doesn't make sense to put him at first base. <laughs> they didn't care. Follows me on Twitter. Nice guy. There you go. They didn't care. So yeah, uh, I'm not gonna tell you guys the team is very good, but. 
They're not. Their cool thing is like in the bullpen, they have some guys that throw a little hard, and they do have John's favorite left-handed opener, Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah, they do. Shove today. Of course he yeah. did. Shove today. We're going to miss Yarbrough. Sorry for John. Carlos Hernandez also going to be the reliever. I shout out. He is uh, probably some of the most electric stuff in I baseball. I texted you about him, I think, like last year, and then no. the World Baseball Classic. I was like, this dude. Because he, because he, I was really hot on him a few years ago because he came into their rotation when they just had an opportunity and it's a good park to pitch. So, deep fantasy baseball league, you're like, give me the guy that throws 100 miles an hour. <laughs> it looked really bad. He's kind of changed the shape of his fastball a little bit, which is a really hard thing to do, really weird to do that. And he has a good slider, really looked incredible in the World Baseball Classic. And he's had not a good year results wise this year in the bullpen, but his stuff is off the charts amazing. He's a guy who, like, maybe someone can just can trick the Royals into, tra into <laughs> trading him because the 360 RA, maybe the Royals would be like, oh, yeah, he's not really that good. But He's really good. Very good. You're going to see him throw an inning and be like, whoa, Carlos Hernandez. So that's your guy to watch the series. Yeah. I mean, sweep. Let's sweep him. Yeah, let's start playing some good baseball. Let's sweep. Let's loose. get, let's get let's confident. Loose. Let's go Let's go wild card. Mets went 14-9 in the month of July. Solid month. Month's not over. No? Oh, they're off tomorrow. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah the month month's over. over. Yeah. 14-9 yeah. in the month of July. Let's keep playing good baseball. Keep winning some games. We'll worry about what we have to worry about if it gets to that time. Yeah, who knows? Maybe there'll be more stuff to break down when we talk to you guys next on Thursday. Yeah, but otherwise, guys, that is it for this episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Big shout-out to Dylan on the camera for us this episode. Hey. Appreciate you helping us out. I don't think we've ever shouted out Brian once. We've well when he was sleeping, when he was taking <laughs> yeah, a nap the one time. Yeah, yeah Dylan, Dylan's getting ready for Royals Yankees. He's got he's got his Gunnar <laughs> Henderson t-shirt at home. He's ready to go. But yeah. Big shout out to Dylan. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching this episode of the Mets Up podcast. Make sure you follow us on all our social media at Mets Up on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. We're going to have a lot of content coming out for you guys these next few days. Uh, if you're watching the YouTube version of this, New York Mets YouTube channel, subscribe over there. And if you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. James, what's your Twitter? James underscore Shiano. At DraftNeckMark with a C. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Mets Up podcast. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time.